Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon, everyone. This is Baba Jehudi Wesley Gray speaking to you live from Brooklyn, New York, the 26th of August, 2017. And again, it's a pleasure to have you join us. Uh, it is a beautiful day in our neck of the woods here in Brooklyn, New York, and I hope the same is with you in your area. And um, we are really excited this afternoon. Again, we have the opportunity to have a brother with us. Uh, nationally, internationally acclaimed uh, percussionist, Brother Mwata Nubian. And I'm just so happy that he took his time to uh, share his energy with us this afternoon. And we look forward to an hour of, um, of, of entertainment, uh, information, and sharing of his life, and also connecting with the African diaspora throughout the world through the medium of the drum. Uh, before we begin, let us start by uh, giving homage to our ancestors. And we will do that by pouring libation and to indeed uh, open the way so that indeed whatever is said and shared should be within divine order. <laughs> Iba house is the owner of the day we respect. We give praise. It is the spirit of the east we respect. We give praise. It is the spirit of the west we respect. We give praise. It is the spirit of the north we respect. We give praise. It is the spirit of the south we respect. We give praise. It is the divine accord of respect. We give praise. It is the divine Satan we respect. We give praise. It is the spirit of the earth we respect. We give praise. It is the spirit of the divine message of transformation we respect. We give praise. It is the spirit of those who live in the realm of the ancestors we respect. We give praise. We give respect. We give respect. I say. I say. Yes, I, I will mention an ancestor that is close to my heart, who has recently passed, and uh, of course, those of us here can feel free to share uh, a, a, a name which they would like to desire. Donis Cizbe, my dear sister. My mother, Dorothea Zolgray Farrell. And my brother-in-law, Robert Seasbay. The Honorable El Hazmalik El Shabazz and Baba Michael Olotunje Ashe. Ah, yes. So we have with us Brother Baba and Wata Nubian, <laughs> and my dear wife, Dr. Dora Gray. It is so much of a pleasure to be able to sit here at this table uh, and and to be able to just share energy and 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 really enlighten one another, inspire one another. Mm -hmm. And those of you who are listening again, uh, well, before I continue, I must also say that. If you would like to connect with us online, uh, 
call in, of course, you have the number, which is 713-955-0716. It's those of you listening on the Internet. And then hit the number one button, and that will indicate that you're raising your hand and you'd like to share your thoughts or any questions that you may have. Uh, Brother Nwatanubian has achieved national and international acclaim as founder and artistic director of the Nubian Messengers, ancient future ensemble, percussionist, conjunto nuovo, Melendio, and the Panamanian folkloric ensemble, the American K Cultural Arts Company, West African and Diaspora Drum and Dance Ensemble, and uh, a few other organizations, which uh, I, I'm not going to go over right now, and perhaps Brother um, Newman can share that with us once he starts to share his thoughts. Along with being a Kwanzaa presenter and practitioner, uh, Brother Newman is a member of the Schomburg Research Center in New York City. He's also a member of the Citywide Coalition of Behavioral Health for Black Elderly members and the national, a member of the National Association of Black Social Workers, as well as a member of ARP and a member of the Brooklyn-based Parks Slope Food Co-op, which I didn't know about until recently, which yeah. we have in common. Yeah. <laughs> At least uh, Dora and I had that in common with you. We're no longer members. Um, and Walter Nubian received a BA from SUNY at Stony Brook, an MSW from Hunter College, uh, Hunter School of Social Work, and is a former adjunct faculty member of Hostel Community College, Hostels Community College, and LaGuardia Community College, and an adjunct faculty advisor at uh, Hunter School of Social Work. He was born in Colon, is that Colon? Colon. Colon, Colon, Panama. Mm -hmm. And uh, Brother uh, Mwata migrated to Brooklyn, New York in 1964. Along with being a husband and father, he is currently the operations manager for Fort Green Council, which is the largest black nonprofit in New York State providing senior citizen center services. His responsibilities include supervising and training managers, staff, and volunteers of this agency, and he has also worked in the field of aging for over 37 years in uh, New York City government, nonprofit, academic settings. He has also worked in the field of addiction services as an administrator, program developer, educational, and vocational developer. Wow, you've done quite a bit. <laughs> in your short years, my brother. Um, I'd like to start off by uh, sharing with the listening audience that uh, Brother Newman and I have known each other for a number of years. Uh, and we first met, I think, was at a drumming circle, mm -hmm. uh, pun intended. Uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, I think uh, that was with the Drummer's Summit yes. by Crazy, Crazy uh, Asante. And uh, uh, I was very excited to participate in that event, you know, with the brothers walking in stilts and, and, and just getting the sense that I was in an African village. Mm. And uh, little did I realize that, indeed, uh, this drumming summit had been going on for quite a while. And I think the time we met, uh, Crazy was uh, awarding Brother G2 yes. in an award. And uh, so tell me, how long have you been involved with the drumming summit, just to start off? Uh, well, first of all, I'd like to say in the spirit of our ancestors and our current warriors and people who speak truth to power, um, I want to tell you to please sharpen your eyes, tune your ears, so you'll know what you see, understand what you hear. That's from an excerpt from a poem taken by a brother called Listerbelt Milltown from, uh, I think, South Carolina. Um, I was peripherally involved with the Drummer Summit for hmm, maybe, couple, maybe six or seven years at least uh, through various people who I interacted with, various musicians and drummers, and um, we kind of wanted to, eat, to support each other, and Kwesi was one of those people who developed that in uh, Von King Park in Brooklyn, New York. 
so we felt that we had to come together and at least support the brother in doing something very positive mm-hmm. to not only promote the cultural aspect that we were having, but also to have a good gathering, a good network, you know, and see each other and be comfortable with each other and learn from each other. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And and he continues to do this. So you tell me that this year he did not... Uh, yeah, I, he, I spoke to him a couple months ago, and he indicated that he couldn't do it this year, but he hoped he can pick it up next year by doing some more organizing uh, so we can continue that tradition. <laughs> I, I would think that indeed in, in this day and age, uh, the drum is becoming more uh, a, a embraced, as it were, mm-hmm. because I think many of us of African descent are beginning to realize the importance of our culture uh, for various reasons, especially in terms of the political climate that we're in. I think there's an indication for us to want to maybe embrace one another more so than we have in the past. Uh, would you agree to that? Yes, I think that even the symbolism of of the drumbeat that we keep getting from uh, the racist factions, you know, it's like a drumbeat. You know, mm-hmm. when you when you when you hear their rhythmic pronunciation and denunciation of people of African descent, people that are different from them, uh, it's 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 like a drumbeat. And to counter that, you have to be prepared. You have to first understand what they're doing, and you have to be clear about your values and how you're going to counter that. Mm-hmm. So it is a, a negative zombie, and you can have, you know, even in the ancient African tradition, you can have very negative stuff done with the drum. Mm. Uh, so it's not unheard of to have negative things from a drumbeat, and the atmosphere that's being set up for us, not only in this country but throughout the world, is a negative drumbeat for people of Af- especially for people of African descent. Not only, but especially for people of African descent. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's important for us to. Um, I know that we met in Prospect Park once mm-hmm. uh, for a very special event, the Global Day of the Drum. Yes. And I was involved with some people out in California, and. Um, uh, unfortunately, or maybe fortunately, because everything is in divine order, mm-hmm. um, you came uh, representing your, your group and right. yourself, as it were, and um, there was a, 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 quite a few other brothers that were there drumming, yeah. and a couple of sisters, and my wife included. And we had the, the, the understanding then that something was happening, mm-hmm. you know, that uh, what we were doing hopefully was not that unique, in terms of thought and intent, and I think right now uh, is the opportunity to really bring that uh, that energy back to fore in terms of drumming for goodness, right. drumming for unity, drumming for health. So uh, again, uh, I just you know thank you for joining us this afternoon. This is not this is the first time, but not the last. I hope so. And <laughs> right, and, and we're going to be addressing this area in terms of getting a drum, part of my ministry mm-hmm. is to uh, have as many of those of us of African descent to have a drum in the home. Mm. And through the drum, we would be able to establish a medium yes. of, of conversation, of discussion, and awareness right. of our rich history uh, from a rhythmic perspective, from dance and other instruments, because the drum will be the start. Mm-hmm but anyone that has a propensity for another instrument that uh, raises the vibration, we, we endorse that as well. Um, I also wanted to touch upon, uh, we were just talking about Brother G2 Yusi, and as we know, he started an organization called the East. Yes, yes, yes. Which is very important to, especially those of us who live in Brooklyn. Share with us your thoughts about your experience with the East. Well, I was a college student uh, during the time of the East and uh, now on Claver Place in Brooklyn, New York. Um, the East represented a not only a refuge but also a affirmation that we as people of African descent could establish something positive, something that was supportive of each other, something that our children could look up to us as adults 
and say that we are doing something positive for the family, for the extended family, for the community, mm -hmm. and for Africans everywhere. Mm -hmm. uh, I know that there were many nights, whether it was 20 degrees, 20 degrees cold or 90 degrees hot, Mm -hmm. uh, we all look forward to that weekend in, in, in terms of the cultural expressions that were, were carried out there. Um, and then they expanded to the school, Uhuru Sasa Shule. They expanded the bookstore, a food cooperative. So we can see that, you know, following the tradition of Marcus Garvey, you can do stuff among black people that is positive, that grows. Yes. And I think that was an important expression for me as a young uh, college student, uh, not losing sight of, you know, being trained, quote-unquote, academically, but still maintaining my African principles and values. And that was an important piece to, to acknowledge in our development of Africans in this side of the, the African diaspora. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. We, I think we both had similar experiences. Mm -hmm. In terms of, I know I was made aware uh, culturally on many fronts in terms of our African traditions and and, and our history. Um, so I, I'm I'm so happy that you you experienced that. Yes. 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 Indeed. Also, I, I two other points on the East in Brooklyn. Uh, they had a policy of no. I don't call them whites or Caucasian. I call them non-blacks. Mm -hmm. that no non-blacks were allowed in the premise. Um, so whether you were an artist or whether you were a, uh, a fan, you could not go into the East. The second part was they were one of the first uh, organized groups that talked about health and wellness through food mm -hmm. and how that had an impact on us as a people outside of our normal understanding of how we treated food and the earth. Yes. Yeah. So those were two important things that, you know, we learned as we got exposed to that in the East. As a matter of fact, they invited uh, uh, brothers and sisters like uh, Dr. Sebi. Yes, to come uh, in. To come in and, mm -hmm. and give workshops, yes. Do workshops yes. and so forth. And that was the first time I met Brother Leon Thomas, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. who was, uh, I don't know if he was vegetarian, but he was leaning toward leaning that toward direction. Right. Uh, and, and they had people um, that they hired to prepare food for the events they had that was uh, mainly vegetarian. Right. And mm -hmm. that was a precursor towards me becoming a vegetarian. Yeah. yeah. And we talk about early 70s, you know, yeah. late 60s, yeah. early 70s. So mm -hmm. that's, it may not seem that far, but it is quite a distance we have traveled from that. Yeah, you know, yeah, so. yeah. And, and, and I'm happy to see that quite a few uh, brothers and sisters, more brothers than sisters I've heard as of late, who are in our age group mm -hmm. who have gotten uh, certain illnesses such as heart disease right. and, and, and diabetes and so forth. They become vegetarians, mm -hmm. if not even vegans. Vegans, right. And uh, I'm very optimistic. I share it with my wife, uh, the fact that indeed that we both are vegetarians myself for 28 years mm -hmm. and you're going on nine years, ten, ten. ten years. And we are now vegan, uh, not 100% because we still have some products that, maybe have uh, a product in it, mm -hmm. you know, certain uh, breads or, or whatever. But um, we, 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 we are now leaning towards that. And me at 73, you know, I feel as if I've been so blessed yes. to, to be exposed to that, going back, like I say, to the 60s yes. yeah. and the 70s, and along with me being a runner, uh, that, that the adage that the body keeps score is so true. <laughs> I learned that in my running circle in Prospect Park. So those of you who are listening, it is never too late to start right. being proactive with your health. Uh, if you, don't want, you don't have to necessarily become vegetarian, but you have to become cognizant of the fact that indeed it's, it's to your benefit to be mindful of what you ingest, uh, especially in terms of food. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, what you ingest intellectually and, 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 and uh, spiritually. Mm -hmm. And that's what mm -hmm. Grassroots Holistic Health Podcast is about. Uh, we want to share information that can be digested mm -hmm. to elevate you and nourish you on mind, body, and spirit. With that being said, we're going to take a short break, and we will be back with you momentarily. 
what I just played uh, was a recording that uh, you were involved with, your, your group was involved with. I don't know how long ago that was, but uh, it's such an uplifting lifting, um, uh, rhythm that's being shared amongst you. Would you want to just touch upon that for a minute, that experience, and, sure. and who the group is, and maybe the members? Well, the Nubian Messengers uh, Ancient Future Ensemble is a collective of uh, African descendant and African musicians, artists, uh, which has the main purpose of edutainment. And for us, edutainment from an African-centered perspective is that we will both educate and entertain. Mm -hmm. So one is not exclusive of the other. Mm -hmm. But the other thing is that we are UB. The letter is UB, meaning mean? unapologetically black. Ah. <laughs> and that doesn't mean we're anti-anyone, but we are unapologetically black. So we have a black experience to share with, with the world, and we do it through our music, our performance, our word expressions, uh, multimedia expressions. So there's a variety of ways in which we can do that, dance. Uh, but we're not so locked in to only do percussion. Uh, so for us, the edutainment part is equally important because we want the generation that comes behind us mm -hmm. to be exposed to this. So we do James Brown. Mm -hmm. We do Mamadou Kieta. We do Parliament Funkadelic. We do Amiri Baraka. We do other expressions, whether it's word expressions, musical expression, dance, or other visual artist stuff that we hope to work and collaborate with other artists throughout the world, throughout mm -hmm. the African world. Mm -hmm. um, so that's where we are. We've been around for since 2015. Uh, I established the this collective to uh, fulfill a dream of mine, which was to travel throughout the African diaspora and the continent, learning mm -hmm. our African expressions, mm -hmm. but also sharing how we express that back to the world mm -hmm. uh, in a variety of ways, as I said. And that, that travel will consist of anywhere Africans are, whether you're in Argentina, whether you are in Brazil, whether you are in Panama, whether you are in Mexico, whether you are in Canada, whether you are in Europe, whether you're in China, whether you are in all, all of the mother continent. Mm -hmm. So that's our, our hope that we can fulfill that. Mm -hmm. But locally, we try to bring that flavor that says we are edutainment, not just simply hitting the drum, not just simply uh, playing the rhythm. Right, uh, right now our, our, uh, our ensemble has grown from our initial percussion bass infusion to uh, other, other instruments. We have a trumpet, bass, and uh, trap drums. Mm. Um, but we are, we are expanding, you know, and we are learning at the same time, but we're also committed to the African expression throughout the African world. There's a brother you have playing the marimba. He plays marimba and... Uh, and Shekere. And Shekere, uh, brother Kwa Beal, mm -hmm. uh, who is... Uh, we, we tease each other that we are brothers from another mother. <laughs> um, and uh, our musical director is our brother Kojo Johnson, Johnson. Mm -hmm. uh, with many years of, of... Not only he does DJ work, he does... African uh, education work, and he does djembe orchestra. Mm. And I just want to mention that djembe orchestra is uh, a West African expression that considers both the djembe as well as the dunumba sets and other instrumentations that is an orchestration. It's not just simply a bunch of people just hitting skins and, and, and other instruments. Mm -hmm. So there's orchestration. Hence, we term it djembe orchestra. Mm -hmm. um, so. Awesome, awesome. 
uh, would you like to share with the listening audience how they can get in contact with you uh, regarding bookings and sure. uh, educational? We have a or, Facebook page, uh, Nubian Messengers on Facebook. Uh, we also have a um, Gmail uh, email account, uh, Nubian Messengers at gmail.com. So that's relatively easy to get. Uh, we are on Google Plus, and we're working on a Facebook uh, on a, um, uh, not a multimedia page mm -hmm. for people to be able to log on and, and follow us on. So we are working towards that. So Nubian Messengers at gmail.com, Facebook Nubian Messengers, Google Plus Nubian Messengers, and we're coming up with our website pretty soon. Awesome. We're also going to be eventually working on a CD or a multimedia, I shouldn't say a CD, a multimedia um, piece that we can share out to the world, whether we use a variety of video and audio uh, systems that we're working on now currently. I see that you have a flyer. Uh, is that an event? This about oh, no, this flyer is about the another uh, drum circle uh, event that's happening September, Saturday, September 16th in Flushing Meadow Park, which is in Corona, Queens, New York. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's from 12 noon to 6 p.m. It's a, uh, uh, they're trying to raise a thousand drums crying for peace. And we need people to come out and support that Saturday, September 16th in Flushing Meadow Park in Corona, New York, in Queens. Uh, from 12 noon to 6 p.m. And you can just Google the information for the location, and it's from 12 noon to 6 p.m. So we hope to connect with a 1,000 drummers throughout the world uh, to do this. Great. And on, on the issue of, you know, that the issue we talk about peace, but for me, I think that you can only achieve peace when there's justice. Ah, yes. And uh, you find that when there's oppression, you may find it may appear to be peaceful, but underneath that, people, if, 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 there is a, if there is a fundamental problem between power, the sharing and the distribution of power, if that's not fundamental, then you cannot have peace. Mm -hmm. So people may say they're at peace or they may appear to be at peace, but we know that any type of exploitation or any type of oppression cannot produce peaceful in the, in the general sense. Mm -hmm. you know, one can have an inner peace, but the community at large cannot have an inner peace because it's been exploited. Right. So any form of exploitation, whether it's a, uh, a, a husband and wife or if a child and a parent, mm -hmm. if you... Not if you are exploiting that person or if you're oppressing that person, you cannot have peace in that relationship. Yeah. So the same extends to the community a lot. So for me, justice and peace go together. I, I dare say that uh, you and I both are husbands, uh, beautiful wives and, mm -hmm. and, and significant other that makes us whole. Yes. And I think that um, starting with peace as a man, you cannot be at peace if you're dealing with a woman who you're not committed to right. and you're not willing to, uh, to give your life, to lay your life down, mm -hmm. to protect her, um, and, of course, to provide as much as possible, humanly possible. So we have, within our community, we've been, as Brother um, Malcolm has said, that we've been, hand, been uh, um, uh, bamboozled, right. hoodwinked. Right. Things that we can emulate, uh, and Dr. Henry Clark, I have to, I've seen recently postings of his speech mm -hmm. talking about how can you expect your children to learn if you're going to have the person who enslaved you right. or their Coming descendants to, to teach them. Yeah. They're not going to teach you how to be free. They're not going to teach you how to be self-sufficient and so forth. And, and not to digress, but going back just to the, the family structure, mm -hmm. we have to change that paradigm of thinking that it's okay to not uh, be committed right. to your significant other. Yeah. Um, and the, the, the issue of commitment is, is uh, related to our, at least on the, on 
principally on the African diaspora side. Mm -hmm. It's also prevalent in the continent, but but more so in the African diaspora side. Uh, that we have a a trauma that we have come through in this side. You know, we we did not come here voluntarily. Mm-hmm. We weren't treated justly when we were brought here, and we still continue to not be treated justly. So, the, the interaction that we're going to have between each other or or within our family, mm-hmm. those those psychic pieces and that experience permeates that mm-hmm. and affects that. And we have to become very conscious. It's not something that I woke up one day and suddenly was that way, but it was a process, and it still is a process for me. But understanding that, understanding that history and, and making a commitment to change that history means that you also have to be committed to your family, committed to your significant other, committed to your children, to your extended family, and so forth. Mm-hmm. So it's a process that I'm saying will, will happen and that's why for us at Nubian Messenger, we are not, we are not, I did not form Nubian Messengers to become the number one hit. Right. I did not formulate Nubian Messengers to get on MTV. Mm-hmm. So we are not about uh, that, that external uh, materialism. Mm-hmm. For us, it's where we can connect with other like-minded artists, musicians, and also what we can give back hmm. to not only our children but everyone in our community as we use our creativity hmm. towards the end of making us better as a people. And that does not mean that we have to go on MTV or be the number one video to become positive for our community. Yeah, I'm happy you shared that because we have been conditioned as a people to uh, – Incorporate keeping score, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. uh, being number one, yes. as it were, uh, from the sports arena primarily. I think that has a lot to do with it, uh, but also in the entertainment uh, community, that indeed, if you're not able to hold a note or reach a certain note and and do so many riffs and whatnot, mm-hmm. you're not deemed um, worthy of upliftment. Right. And I think drumming, what drumming does, it it actually uh, allows one to be aware of the fact that you're engaging in in a activity that's interdependent. Mm. You know, you don't sound good if your fellow drummer doesn't sound good, and you have to leave space rhythmically, as it were, for that drummer to uh, show his or her uh, uh, expression through the drum. Mm. So there's so many things to be gained by uh, a child being introduced to a drum, or an adult, yeah. an elder, but especially our children. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that uh, that's something that we can have uh, uh, more discussion about in, in future shows. Um, my brother, you've achieved both national and international acclaim um, of sorts, and I say international through the media. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, we don't have to be performing in a different country or whatever, <laughs> with social media, we're able to uh, be exposed to people who we don't even meet, right. uh, that we don't even perform for, yeah. by virtue of them going to YouTube and, and Facebook and other social media. Um, the group that you formed, Media Messengers, you explained why you formed them and, 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 and how it got started. But uh, I know that there are other groups that you've been involved with, uh, and I wanted you to touch upon, especially the folklore, mm-hmm. uh, the Panamanian folkloric ensemble. Sure. Briefly share with us your experience with that. Then. Well, interesting, uh, the Conjunto uh, Nuevo Milenio, which is a uh, Panamanian folkloric group based in Brooklyn, New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, I came into contact with them through another brother and his wife, who were in the West African uh, circle, mm-hmm. you know, uh, drum and dance circle. Mm-hmm. And I found out, when we found out that we were both from Panama, he was from Pan- he was of Panamanian parents and uh, I was, we kind of connected and then his wife was very steep in the tradition of West African uh, dance. In fact, she just a couple of years ago got her doctorate uh, in, in, that, in that genre. Mm-hmm. And so... He asked me one day if I would be willing to come and 
play with uh, Conjunto Nuevo Milenio at that time. I think it was around 2000, I mean, 2004, 2005, mm-hmm. um, because they needed a drummer. Yes. And I said, sure, you know, I'm, I'm open to that. I would love to share. And uh, that was my joining the, the Conjunto family. But, again, that interconnection, uh, I wanted to make that point that oftentimes we don't know how we connect, mm-hmm. but it's not by accident. Never. Okay. Uh, so I worked with uh, Conjunto Nuevo Milenio as a uh, percussionist, uh, drummer, and, and uh, for a number of years, and we are they're, they're still developing. Unfortunately, we don't have enough musicians that are willing to commit, again, the word commitment, mm-hmm. commit themselves uh, to working with this type of group mm-hmm. because they're, they're musicians that are better, they're Panamanian musicians that are better than me, mm-hmm. that I could learn from, but they're not open to that. Mm. Uh, so, What's the reason for that in your opinion? Well, part of it is, is, is an outgrowth of, of an enslavement mentality. Yeah. Part of it is a selfishness about it because they learned it back in Panama from uh, elders and older people who were willing to share with them. They didn't wake up one day and suddenly became, you know, uh, good at their instrumentation mm-hmm. and good at their music tradition. They learned it from somebody else who contributed to them. Mm-hmm. A lot of them coming. Some of them, I should say, coming to the United States don't practice that tradition. Okay. So I could go back to Panama and anytime go anywhere and learn that from people who are in that tradition, and they're not, they don't have a problem with that. Here we tend to look at the materialist part. You know, it's I as opposed to what, what I can contribute towards we. <laughs> so it's not, it's, it's that difference. Um, I was very fortunate also in Conjunto Nuevo Milenio to have a um, a founder and um, director who was very open to looking at the African influences in the music. Mm-hmm. So uh, Alberto Gonzalez, who is a musical director, was very supportive of that effort. So um, for two, who was uh, Brother Mesura's wife at that time, was in the group, and we have been able to bring that to four and learn as well. Mm-hmm. You know, so it was a learning process for me that I kind of knew but didn't know the connections to Africa mm-hmm. from Panama, and also open up musical expressions. Mm-hmm. And I've been very thankful for his his uh, ability to do that. Uh, for instance, uh, a couple years ago, we were the first. Panamanian folklore group to present on the stage, bringing a West African tradition mm-hmm. into, you know, showing that we started in a West African village, mm-hmm. and I had some of my f- fellow djembe drummers, ensemble drummers, mm-hmm. participate in that phase, and then how we get captured and get taken to Panama, right. and how a Panamanian uh, tradition called Sarakunde developed because of that African connection. Is that related to Yoruba? No, it's, 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 no it's, it's, it's more, it has some of the West African tradition, mm-hmm. but I think it's more around the Benin area. Benin, okay. Um, so you say that um, the, the relationship of African dancing and drumming tradition just didn't pop up in Panama, like, you know, fell out from the sky. Absolutely. And we had some opposition to that from some Panamanians of African descent, as well as some non-African descent Panamanians who, for the first time, didn't see that, when they saw that connection, they didn't want to accept that connection. Mm -hmm. Now it's like, okay, we can, you know, we can do that, and the drummers helped captivate that. So the first time we played djembe in a Panamanian folkloric group, People like that's not a Panamanian drum. You can't do that. But we had a uh, uh, brother from uh, traditionalist from Panama, uh, Villarreal, who defended that and explained that that tradition. Listen, if you listen, you will understand the connections. Mm-hmm. You know that you can play. So those things were very important for me, learning and through the the traditional place in in. Um, 
Panamanian folkloric tradition yes. to the point where uh, in the Congo tradition, which is the most heavily, one of the most heavily influenced African traditions in Panama, um, they play this big bass drum that's like a sangba or a dunun. Mm -hmm. So the first time I brought my sangba with Conjunto Millennia to a uh, folkloric uh, conference that we've had every year, is that here in New York? No, well, it's, it's traveled throughout the country. Okay. In fact, uh, this year it's going to be in Washington, D.C. It's like the 16th uh, year. So I've been doing this for like 16 years. Uh, and we had like maybe 10, 12 groups between Panama and groups in the United States that come together. Mm -hmm. uh, we have um, workshops and then a performance mm -hmm. from each group. Uh, so when I played that drum, you could you could you could hear a pin drop in that auditorium, <laughs> and my group were we were ready because we uh, knew there was going to be opposition. Yes. But once I played it in respect of the tradition of the Congo tradition, yes. the musician who was leading it accepted it. Hmm. So subsequent to that, every year they've asked me to bring my my song about to play because it sounded Wonderful. so much like a Panamanian song. Wonderful. So it's those type of things that I've been blessed. Mm -hmm. To be exposed to, and I thank Conjunto Nuevo Milenio for and Alberto and, and the other group members for being supportive, number one, mm -hmm. but also taking the risk to learn mm -hmm. and share. Mm -hmm. You know, because sometimes we learn and we want to keep it in, yes, to, yes. you know, as though it's going to make us money and make us whatever, as opposed to sharing. Mm -hmm. uh, and that has been very helpful. Now, Spanish is the, is that the official language in Panama? Spanish is the official language of Panama, yes. Mm -hmm. I, I, and you speak fluently? You... Not, I speak Spanish, and I, I, I can write, read, and read and write Spanish. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's been a, a, a kind of ironic situation in Panama. Um, the, 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 the second wave of, immig of black immigrants coming from the West Indies to Panama was around the eight, late 1850s to help build the railroad that the French were doing, and then the bulk of them came in the early 1900s to build the Panama, Panama Canal. Is that similar to the Suez Canal in terms of the... the uh, no, no, because the, the Panama the Canal has levels. Okay. Uh, I mean, the structurally, has, it's the has, same concept, yes. Okay. It, 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 cut through a, a, a swat of land, mm -hmm. but it was a, a, a level because it went from the Atlantic to the Pacific or the Pacific to the Atlantic, and there were different sea levels. And that was economically um, um, involved. Yes. Oh, it was. The major, major reason was for the economics of the United States. Yes, it was, it was a major, well, it was related to, again, the, the to me, uh, worldwide racism, you know. Okay. Uh, the, the fact that the, the Panama Canal was built uh, not and, and signed not by Panamanians because mm -hmm. at, at the time that it was built, we were still a province of Colombia. Oh, Panama, okay. the whole of that isthmus was a province of Colombia. Okay. Mm -hmm. And the United States really wanted a way of cutting down time. Remember, this is in the 1900s. Mm -hmm. uh, ships had to go all the way around the was it the uh, uh, South America to come to the West Coast, but right. vice versa, going to the to go east to west, you went all the way around. Mm -hmm. So if you could cut a couple of weeks time by going through a canal and then going up, it would save a lot of money. Absolutely. Uh, so the United States had Panama, some of the Panamanian uh, independent people, uh, independent activists uh, said, you know, we will we will support you militarily if you broke away from Colombia, but you have to give us this strip of land in perpetuity, mm -hmm. meaning forever. Right. Who gives up? It's like I, if I came into your house and said, I'd like to go to the backyard, but for me to get to the backyard, I want you to give me your strip, your walkway in perpetuity, and no I can come and go as I want, do anything I want, build whatever I want yeah, yeah. in perpetuity, and you get no benefit from no, it, except see no me way. walk through or not. I don't think so. Uh, well, that's what happened. Uh, so the the people, the, the bulk of the immigrants who came from the, the West Indies during the early 1900s, uh, one of the things that I learned was, they're called the silver people. 
And my father, my grandfather, my mother's side came, and my grandmother came from Barbados, and my father came from Jamaica. Now, the silver people are, um, we, we take it, again, the power of def- definitions and, and how you fight oppression. The silver people had a negative connotation because it was the United States who developed a silver and a gold system mm. when they were building the Panama Canal after the French failed. Right. The silver people meant that the silver was that they didn't want to call it uh, white and colored section, mm-hmm. but the non the Americans were paid in gold. Wow. And the non-Americans, meaning Panamanians as well as mostly black Caribbeans, African Caribbeans, were paid in silver. Wow. And you had to build, you had to be paid in silver. You also had to go shop in silver accepting entities or businesses. Mm-hmm. So we developed our own commissary, our own barbershop, our own doctors, our own uh, uh, schools, mm-hmm. pharmacies that accepted silver money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so we took that 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 negative label and flipped it to say, okay, if we're the civil people, we're going to define who we are. Absolutely. Right? But we're also going to acknowledge how that came about and not hide that because even in Panamanian history in the schools, it's not really taught that way. Mm-hmm. So we have a, a silver city, a silver people uh, that uh, foundation that's really pushing that, that entity to go. Mm-hmm. I was born, for instance, in Silver City, which is Again, where the ghetto, wow. so-called, not, not ghetto, but where the black folks congregated because there was segregation, mm-hmm. and that was imposed by the United States. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I can tell you that one of the sons of the silver people migrated to the United States, founded, I don't know if many of you know about Black Solidarity Day, Black Solidarity Day, the first Monday before the election, was developed by Carlos Russell. I know Carlos. Who was born in Panama, Mm -hmm. came here and got himself educated and promoted a pro-black African pro-agenda. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. that that's the connection. Now, have you seen Carlos recently? Yes, he he's uh, Carlos is back in Panama now. Mm-hmm. Um, is he's uh, wheelchair bound but mentally oh, very yes. sharp. He yeah. produced a couple of plays. Yeah, and, and oh, he's, he's writing. Yes, right? he's writing. And yes, uh, um, yes, yes my son. He was with uh, his wife Jackie Wood. Yes, Jackie Wood. And um, they had a house on Washington Avenue. And. Uh, you know, we had a short talk, but I had lost touch with him. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm happy that he's still up and running, or yes. up, and, up and sitting at least. Yes, you yes. Know, oh, he's mobile and he's writing, still doing his creativity. And I have a, a poem that I did um, in in uh, as a dedication to Carlos called Africano Soy, oh. uh, meaning I am an African, yes. you know. And we did this in um, May... May 26. Again, May a couple of years ago, I think in 2000, um, May 30th mm-hmm. in 2000, 2000, Panama declared May 30th, 2000 as National Black Heritage Day. Yes. Or in Spanish, they call it Dia de la Etnia Negra, meaning ethnic Negro or ethnic Black. Mm-hmm. But I term it Black Heritage Day. Mm-hmm. And that was done after severe struggle by people of African descent in Panama to get recognized publicly. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so in New York, we have been celebrating those days in in recognition of uh, Black Heritage Day. And we were, Nubian messengers were invited to perform at, uh, in Brooklyn at the, uh, not a, uh, Bed-Stuy Restoration Mm -hmm. in Brooklyn on Fulton Street to do our number, and we did a presentation that incorporated uh, the African tradition into into recognition of the African descendant piece, and Conjunto Nuevo Milenio collaborated with us Mm -hmm. in that endeavor, you know, in terms of the vocal pieces, doing Congo music, and then we introduced... uh, the the poem by uh, excerpt from the poem by uh, Carlos Russell. 
Would you like to share that with us? Um, uh, well, I right now that I have it. Well, uh, yes, here it is. Um, well, the, sure. Africana Soy. This poem was done by Carlos in 2000. Put on my glasses, right? That would help. <laughs> uh, 2001 in Brooklyn. Um, it says, I'm just giving you a quick excerpt. En el Nilo y en el Congo me bauticé. Mis primeros verbos les, los enuncié. Al compás rítmico y caliente de los cueros que sonaban, trayendo los cantos y voces de nuestros dioses antiguos africanos. Obatala Chango Yemayao Gum. Soy negro, soy carabalí. Me crié en San Miguel y Guachipalí. Mi piel es de color de una noche sin estrellas, sin luna y sin sol. So that's just an expression of what Carlos is trying to explain that, you know, he's, he's saying, I'm soy panameño, soy africano. And one is not exclusive of the other. And he's not denying his African centrality and the influence of Africans throughout the world. Mm. So this was something that, you know, we wanted to give him, give him uh, acknowledgement on. So and that's some of the Yoruba deities yes. in the poem. Mm -hmm. and what, how, how does that um, translate? Well, uh, people, some people in Panama still practice Yoruba traditions. Um, mm. And it's been more recently incorporated into, you know, Catholicism. Uh, so you will find that there is, in, in some, some, some part of the country that are still strongly influenced by, by uh, African-centered ideas and traditions, whether it's religion, food, music, songs, dance. Uh, there's a part in Darien, the province of Darien, which is right next door to Colombia. Mm -hmm. Very strong African traditions. Uh, and I think one of the, 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 the beauties of people connecting through things like the Internet is that they get to learn more about the African outside of their immediate neighborhood and, and, and see those connections. So Darien has a very strong tradition. Uh, Bocas del Toro, which is right on the other side, close to Costa Rica, mm -hmm. has a very strong African tradition. So you have Calypso being sung in Spanish. I grew up <laughs> Calypso in both Spanish and English. We didn't have a problem with That's that. Unique. You know? Mm -hmm. um, so you have those traditions going on in the African diaspora that it just, it just to me, it just invigorates me. You know, and I keep saying, uh, you would not have a Malcolm El Haj El Malik Shabazz if you didn't have his parent, one of his parents coming from the island. You would not have Kwame Toure, mm -hmm. aka Stokely Carmichael, if you didn't have one of his parents coming from a part of the island. Mm -hmm. You would not have those traditions that connect us. You know, uh, it, it's, it's wonderful when you think about and when you learn that when Malcolm said his term of African-American was not restricted to the boundaries, to the geographic boundaries of the United States. He says any African in the Americas was African-American. Ah, yes. A lot of people don't, don't, don't make that connection. Don't make that connection, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's those type of things that propel me to work with Nubian messengers to share ideas because, again, if, if the ideas are only in my head and I pass, mm -hmm. they're gone. Absolutely. They're gone. They're useless. They're no value to anyone. But if I can share and learn, you know, because it's a two-way Absolutely. Share and learn or learn and share, then it's valuable to not only me but to my world. Thank you so much for sharing that, brother. I really appreciate that. Uh, we're coming down to the to the end of our show, uh, and and I'm just so happy that we were able to touch upon uh, uh, the our story mm -hmm. of an, a a country like Panama, yes, and how it affected you and 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 how we're being affected right. by it. And this knowledge is something that's not necessarily esoteric, <laughs> but it needs to be shared. Uh, you have some other things. Yeah, I just wanted to, to to go on the issue of. Um, Maga Mawa. Yes. Maga Mawa. Maga 
Mawa, M-A-G-A-M-A-W-A. Make America great again. Make America white again. Mm-hmm. That concept that our, no, sorry. The concept that cult 45, C-U-L-T 45 is promoting, supporting, sustaining, is that we have to make America great by making it white again. Yes. And that concept we need to understand not only in terms of his verbal pronunciation, but in terms of his actual policies, his actual executive orders. And don't lose sight of just listening to his words. Look at his policies. Look at his executive orders Mm -hmm. that are being pushed quietly through all spheres that affect us. Uh, So the resistance that people are are experiencing now is very powerful. I will also urge people to go and listen to Martin Luther King's 1967 uh, first speech on against the war in Vietnam, where he talked about in 1967, 50 years ago, the rise of such a person, okay? Uh, and he did this speech at, uh, uh, in New York City at Riverside Church. And he sim- one of the quotes that, that really hit me said, a time comes when silence is betrayal. That time has come for us in relations to Vietnam. If you took out the word Vietnam and substituted the word in relations to Maga Mawa, mm-hmm. you're right here in 2017. Absolutely. So it's not, it's not by accident. Yeah, I, I uh, mentioned to you uh, earlier this week that I happened to be on YouTube, and I saw you giving that speech. Yes, excerpt of that speech. Excerpt yes, of that yes, speech. yes, yes. And uh, I just want the listening audience to know that, indeed, if you go to YouTube um, and key in... Um, and Wata Nubian's name, uh, that's M-W-A-T-A-N-U-B-I-A-N, uh, that uh, excerpt from Martin Luther King's uh, speech will come up with uh, Brother Nubian reciting. Uh, I highly recommend that. And also, with that being said, uh, please visit my site. That's drumsofchange.com. That's drumsofchange.com. And uh, I have a link on that site. On the upper left-hand corner, we have a drum store, mm-hmm. which you can purchase drums at, uh, from as little as $29, and some of them including shipping and handling. We also have a bookstore there where you can purchase all the books that I've reviewed. I, this is like, I think, my 93rd, 93rd show that I have aired. And uh, indeed, each show that I do, it brings us home to Mother Africa in terms of what we have to do uh, for the motherland and with each other, those of us who are descendants uh, from Africa. We have to unite. We have to pull each other up, and we have to uplift one another. And indeed, uh, we shall do this. Uh, We have things that are in divine order, and as Brother uh, Newman was stating, uh, we have the 45 cult. Which 45, I think Code 45, Code 45 <laughs> which is not giving us any option but to come together, but to indeed delve into who we are as a people. And as Brother uh, Nubian has uh, so eloquently, uh, eloquently uh, described uh, the, the essence of his country, Panama, that he came from, indeed how the whole African diaspora has been affected by elements of the descendants of cult 45, as it were. Mm-hmm. So we need to do our homework. We need to each one, each one, teach one. Um, we need to educate our children. We cannot allow, we cannot rely on the system to educate our children. We have to do our homework and share the results of our homework, our, our research and so forth, and share that uh, in the dining room, share that in the living room, share that in front of our stoops, in the backyard and front yard. And we should do that, if I may uh, humbly suggest, around the African drum. Mm. So, again, I want to thank you so much for tuning in this afternoon. I'm your host, Baba Jehudi Wesley Gray, speaking to you live from Brooklyn, New York, August 26, 2017. And my brother, Newman, it's really a pleasure to have you join us.
My pleasure. And please stay steadfast, sharpen your eyes, tune your ears, so you'll know what you see than what you hear. And my lovely wife, Dora, I thank you for joining us. Would you like to say It's always a pleasure to be here. I just thank the listening audience and I send blessings to all of you. I say Alafia. 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 So, Alafia Mudepu. Namaste. Namaste. Assalamu alaikum. Peace and love. Thank you so much for joining us. And may we continue to unite and give each other love. Thank you.